He was a professional soldier who served Australian gunnery for over 47 years as part of the permanent military force, and he participated in three consecutive global conflicts with distinction. The First World War, the Second World War, and the Korean Conflict. And yet his legacy has been lost to history, save for an ill-advised nuisance wildlife management operation that has become more lampooned as a meme than a historical event, known comically as the Great Emu War. Welcome to I Was Only Doing My Job, an Australian military history podcast. This is episode one of season two, where I go into part one of the life, service, and legacy of Honorary Brigadier General Gwynedd Purvis Wynne Aubrey Meredith, an officer more known infamously as the officer in charge of the Great Emu War. As someone who routinely covers Australia's military history, I'm regularly subjected to the comment, well, you guys lost to emus, and what about the emu war? And to be honest, uh, I initially had no idea what they were referring to. I thought this was some obscure foreign military humor that I just wasn't privy to until I stumbled across a YouTube video from the Oversimplified channel about the emu war itself. And while it was entertaining and mildly embarrassing to see this historical event shown that way, one thing that I did notice is that the officer in charge of the Great Emu War was only ever listed by his initials, Major G.P.W. Meredith. The same is also true on every article, news report, or website that I looked at and about in regards to this topic. But I was so intrigued and a little frustrated by this, I wanted to know what else he had done to see if it had any impact on his career, which is the reason why I've picked every person thus far that I've covered on this podcast, and by chance and a fluke on the National Archives, I actually stumbled upon his full name, and a rather extensive military career which has been largely forgotten and overshadowed by something that has become more of a meme than a historical event. So here he is, the commanding officer of the Great Emu War. Gwynedd Purvis Wynne Aubrey Meredith, who for simplicity's sake will be known as Meredith, was born at the Manse in Swansea, Tasmania, on the 19th of April, 1887. He was the elder of two sons of George Llewellyn Meredith, a stock and stations sharebroker, as well as a mining agent, and his first wife, Alicia Louisa McLean, an artist. In 1892, Meredith's brother, Ewan Harcourt Wynne Aubrey, was also born, but sadly his mother would pass away suddenly just two months later. Their father would remarry in Sydney on the 30th of November, 1899, to Eleanor Bond Ward. Meredith was educated at both the Launceston Grammar School and the Church Grammar School in Tasmania, and by all accounts, he was an okay student, though he was destined to be a professional soldier. Despite there being no evidence of any service in any cadet unit, which was common at this time, as soon as he was able, he would join the Victorian Scottish Regiment and in 1907 was promoted to the rank of 2nd Lieutenant as part of the permanent military force. I've recently done a TikTok video explaining the difference between the two main branches of the post-colonial Australian Army, but to put it plainly, the permanent military force was born out of the 1903 Defence Act, with the Army being formed on the 1st of March 1901, by amalgamating the existing military forces of the Federating Colonies. However, this new country came to the realisation that Australia as a whole had neither the funds nor the manpower to maintain a standing permanent force large enough to defend it and its interests from foreign aggressors. To counter this, the defence of Australia would be undertaken by two separate groups under the banner of the Commonwealth Military Forces. The larger of the two, the Citizens Force, comprised of pre-existing militia units who were paid for non-continuous military service, namely they were paid for the military camps and training they undertook through the course of a year, but held civilian jobs for most of the time. They also comprised of volunteer forces who did the same thing but weren't paid, and reserve forces who were namely men who were part of organised rifle clubs and soldiering societies, and those who had retired from the permanent forces. 
The permanent military force was comprised of professional, full-time soldiers, sailors, from whom the core of any defensive force would be founded, and thus comprised of the administrative and instructional staff, including army service, medical and ordnance staff, garrison artillery, fortress engineers, and submarine mining engineers. People who were responsible for mining the approaches to Australia. Like most other British Dominions who had similar defence acts, they also had provisions that forbade standing military units from deploying overseas, which required the would-be soldiers to volunteer for overseas service. In 1910, he was assigned to the Royal Australian Artillery in Queensland as a full lieutenant, and in 1911, completed a number of courses in gunnery where he achieved moderately good results. In 1912, he was appointed to be the range officer for the Royal Australian Field Artillery's annual training camp, which was a significant honour for a relatively young and inexperienced officer. By 1914, Meredith had been transferred to New South Wales as part of the 2nd Military District, where he would stay in a staff position until February 1915, when he was transferred to Thursday Island as part of a small force stationed at the fortifications within the Torres Strait, as a means of monitoring the strategic shipping routes along the north of Australia, as well as the important communication link from the threat of the German Asiatic Squadron. For most of the First World War, this would be his post, though he did travel to Sydney in New South Wales to marry Gwendolyn Mary Nicklin on the 28th of April 1915, and the couple would welcome their only son, John Wynne Aubrey Meredith, on the 17th of April the following year. He would remain posted to Thursday Island until January 1918, when he would return to Sydney, and on the 8th of July 1918, he would formally enlist in the Australian Imperial Force at the age of 31 as a reinforcement to the Australian Heavy Artillery Battery, though he would actually join the staff of Major General John Stanley, the Quartermaster General of the Australian Imperial Force, and he himself a veteran artilleryman. Meredith would serve as his adjutant. Meredith's six foot three and three quarters frame dominates all photos that he's in, to the point where he appears gigantic compared to the average five foot seven soldiers that he would command. On the 23rd of April 1918, his unit would depart for AIF headquarters in London aboard the troop ship HMAT A44 Marathon. On this voyage, Meredith would serve as the ship's adjutant and quartermaster at the rank of captain. He would arrive in London in September and be officially taken on strength with the AIF in England on the 27th of September, 1918. On the 24th of October that year, he would be admitted to hospital with the mumps, and this would effectively end his overseas military service within the Great War, as he'd be discharged on the 7th of November, 1918, just four days before the end of the war. He would, however, continue to serve as the AIF headquarters in London now had the arduous task of transporting some 300,000 Australian soldiers, sailors and nurses back to Australia on top of all the equipment and relics destined for Australian shores. In 1919, he would finally make it to France to conduct reviews of troop dispositions and conditions before commencing duty at the Office of the High Commission for Australia in February and was assigned to the staff of the military advisor to the High Commissioner. In March, he would be assigned to the Demobilisation Department, a position he would hold until October, when he would join Australia House's Disposal Board as a military advisor, and would hold this position until he too was discharged on the 8th of February 1920, when the Australian Imperial Force was formally disbanded. For Meredith, the war didn't mark the end of his military career, as by March 1920, he had been assigned to the 3rd Military District based in Melbourne, which was also where headquarters for the entire Commonwealth Military Force resided. I've already mentioned at this point the 1st and 2nd military districts, and essentially the Australia and her dominions were broken down into military administrative centres roughly the size of the along the state lines. This was to assist the administration of the newly federated Australian army, 
and were responsible and were responsible for the training, equipping, and provisioning of any citizen force headquartered within that area, as well as serving as the administrative center for any permanent forces. In October in that year, he was transferred to the Staff Corps and was selected to attend the Royal Artillery College at the Royal Military Academy, Woolwich, England, to undertake an ordnance course over the next two years. On completion, he received the post-nominals PSC, which indicated that he had passed the Staff College exam. In March 1923, on his return to Australia, he would sit promotion exams and be provisionally promoted to the rank of Major, with the appointment of the Inspecting Ordnance Officer of Q Branch at Australian Army Headquarters. This department was responsible for handling logistics, supply, transport, clothing and maintenance of the entirety of the Commonwealth Military Force. The following year, he'd be seconded to duty with the Munition Supply Board as a Staff Officer within the same unit and would stay at, in that position until 1927 when he'd be appointed to be a member of the contract board. During this time in the permanent military force, there was not a great deal of advancement or deployment opportunities available, especially for those with technical trades, which is why Meredith spent so much time in artillery-related pursuits. And for most of his time after the Great War, Meredith worked without complaint within the offices of the Royal Australian Artillery. But due to the policy of the time, there is very little recorded that has survived that explains in any great detail what exactly Meredith did from 1922 to the 18th of January 1932, when he was assigned the position of Officer Commanding, 7th Heavy Battery, Royal Australian Artillery, and Staff Officer of the 5th Military District, headquartered in Fremantle, Western Australia, and participated in an event that has now become universally known as the Great Emu War. One thing that I have found in my research for this episode is the complete distinct lack of primary sources that mention the Emu War even occurring. Most of the records about the Emu War seem to stem solely from the media at the time, particularly the rather lampoonish reporting of the Canberra Times, the Melbourne Argus, and the Perth Mail. Following the First World War, in line with attempts to switch Australia's wartime economy back to a peacetime one, large numbers of returning Australian soldiers were given parcels of land to take up farming in rural areas of the country, often dispossessing local indigenous groups in the process. The issue arose that a lot of this land was not suited for large-scale agriculture, and a lot of the soldier settlers were from the cities, and very few had extensive understanding of commercial farming. This was compounded with the onset of the Great Depression in 1929, and these farmers were encouraged to increase wheat crops despite plummeting prices. And while the government promised subsidies to offset this, these didn't arrive, which meant that by October 1932, the situation had become so dire that the farmers, particularly those in Western Australia, as calls for secession were starting to gain in momentum, these farmers prepared to harvest that season's wheat crop while simultaneously threatening to withhold it. The issues facing those farmers, particularly in Western Australia, were compounded following the commencement of the dry season and subsequent arrival of approximately 20,000 emus. And for those who don't know, an emu is one of the world's largest flightless birds, a native symbol of Australia, and an overall massive pest. Traditionally, emus migrated towards the coast to breed in the more hospitable environs, but with the clearing of land in rural areas for farming and the damming of watercourses for irrigation and livestock, enticed the emus to change their patterns. This brought them into conflict with farmers, particularly those of the marginal farmland around Chandler and Walgulan, both roughly 260 kilometres from Perth, Western Australia's capital. The emus consumed and spoiled the crops, as well as leaving large gaps in fences where rabbits could enter and cause further problems. 
These farmers relayed their concerns about the birds ravaging their crops and a deputation of ex-soldiers were sent to meet with the Minister of Defence and one of Western Australia's federal representatives, Sir George Pearce. These settlers stated that ordinary firearms were useless to stop the emus and requested that machine guns be loaned to them to destroy the birds. Pierce would understandably not agree to allow the settlers the use of probably the most devastating weapon used in modern memory, but mentioned that he would be willing to dispatch a contingent of military personnel accustomed to the operating of the guns. The gun crew would comprise of one officer and two other ranks and two guns. This was all on the proviso that the government would not be financially impacted by this. The soldiers would receive no additional pay, the farmers were responsible for the supply of ammunition, food and accommodation, and the West Australian government had to pay for their transport. Considering the rumblings of Australia's geographically largest state leaving the Commonwealth, some have argued that this whole affair was an attempt to stave off calls for secession. Enter Major Meredith. This is where he enters public knowledge of those who meme the Emu War. Meredith, along with Sergeant S. McMurray and Gunner J. O'Hallow, Halloran still annoys me that I've not yet been able to have the same success in identifying his two troopers as I have with him. But in October of 1932, they'd be issued with a pair of Lewis machine guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition and sent to Campion, Western Australia, for their involvement in the weirdest nuisance wildlife management military operation. And this is where we'll end this week's episode. Next time on the podcast, I will continue the life, service, and legacy of Brigadier General Gwynedd Purvis Wynne Aubrey Meredith, starting with his involvement in the Great Emu War. Thanks for listening to the I Was Only Doing My Job podcast, a Doc Network production. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Ross Manuel, with additional research done by Laurie Favell. I'd really appreciate it and it would help out the show if you took some time to share this with a friend or leave a review on Spotify or Google Podcasts or iTunes or anywhere that you listen to podcasts as it really helps other people find the show. If you want to know more about today's episode with photos, show notes and transcripts, head to www.thedocnetwork.net and follow the show on IWODMJ on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Don't worry, there's a link in the show notes. If you want to follow me for history-related hijinks and other nerdery, you can follow me on practically everything at Doc Winters. Once again, thanks for listening and catch you next time. Bye.